The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. How are you now? Dare I ask? How are you now? Ooh. Tough one. Your Montreal Canadiens lose 5-1 to one on home ice to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, hello and welcome to episode 31 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake and whew, it's tough to even be pissed off about that one. Honestly, I'm just... I'm tired. That game dragged on. Let's do a recap anyways. I mean, I I know I've had bad ones before where I say, all right, I'm not doing the recap, but let's try to get through this real quick. Not too many goals to go over. Only six of them. Only five of them scored by the other team. Uh, It was a surprisingly good start for the Habs, actually. They looked like the better team for the most part in that first period. Uh, Really getting the better chances, getting more shots on goal. But of course, Less than four minutes into the game, Brandon Hagel gets loose, beaks Jake Allen over the pad. Uh, I felt like Allen probably should have had that one, but it was some absolutely awful transition D by the Habs. Uh, the, and this was a story on the night was they were able to make pa- make stretch passes constantly against the Habs that they just had no answer for for the most part, and uh, that makes it one nothing. And then um, Habs continuing to get the better chances in that period. I mean, Nick Paul. Gets a rebound in the slot to make it 2 nothing later on in the period. And at that point, it was 9-4 to four shots in favor of the Habs. The Lightning had scored on 50% of their shots. Of course, they were good shots, right? One of them was a partial breakaway. The other one was a rebound right in front down in the slot. But, you know, two-goal lead on four shots. you got to feel pretty good if you're the Lightning. It's not necessarily that deserved. Then we go into the second period, and that one, really, Habs not looking nearly as good as they did in the first. Um it got closer in terms of the shots throughout the course of that period, and the Lightning eventually passed the Habs on the shot clock. Uh, and after a failed power play for the Habs, big surprise, Mike Matheson goes off for interference, and then Jake Evans takes a four-minute high-sticking penalty. The Lightning don't score on the five-on-three, but just as Matheson is stepping out of the box, Anthony Sorelli just jams one in down low. Again, low slot, high-danger chance, makes it 3 nothing. Uh, it does kill the Evans penalty down to two minutes because that was a double minor, but, you know, not looking good. Not looking good at all. And then another Tampa Bay power play with just over two minutes left in the period. Victor Hedman takes a point shot. Looks like maybe it was deflected by Steven Stamkos. I think as of me speaking right now, I think it's still credited to Hedman. Uh, I'm not entirely positive, but either way, the re- end result is the same. 4 nothing. Fuck really rough second period um same result you still got two goals scored on you so it's the exact same result as the first period but um you know two vastly different looking teams in those two periods for the Habs then we go into the third 
And very early in that period, we get a glimmer of hope. A beautiful line hold by Caden Gooley. Uh, he comes in, holds the line, comes down from the point, moves into the slot, dangles one defender, and then puts a perfect pass to the side of the net to Nick Suzuki. He puts it in. Mr. Unsustainable makes it 4-1. to one. We've got some life. The Habs looking considerably better after finding that goal and finally getting one on the board. They're getting chances. They're just not capable of finishing any of those chances. Looking a lot like last year's Habs on that front. And then, of course, late in the game, two minutes to go. Broken play leads to Nikita Kucherov in alone coming in on the right-hand side. Uh, He just pulls it back and goes roof daddy on Jake Allen. Top corner, short side. It's 5-1, to and that's game, folks. From that point took the wind whatever wind they had left in the sails was taken completely out of them and you got a 5-1 final so man the one thing i'll say about that game is it was nice to see them show some fight in the third period you know i think that's the one thing that's very different from last year's team i did mention you know they looked a lot looked a little bit suspiciously like that the 2021-22 team uh, in the way they were completely incapable of finishing the chances that they were generating. But that team last year, you know, that game probably goes 7-8-1. If you even get the one, it might be 7 8 nothing with last year's team. This year's team, they've they've got a little bit, of, they've, got, they've got enough pride to, to actually, you know, give a shit <clears throat> at the end of a game and try not to let it turn into a laugher. So I like that. Uh, I like that the the culture seems to have flipped in that locker room to the point where they feel like they're never out of a game, uh, even though they were they're pretty out of that one from the, I'd say, 18 minute mark of the first period onward. Uh, they they showed some fight, and I like that. It's it's nice to not see them giving up on games and getting shelled towards the end and having really ugly results like they did last year. So that's good news. The bad news, you know, they're nowhere near the same league as the Tampa Bay Lightning. But I think we already knew that. So it's not, you know, I'm not sitting here crying about the fact that they lost to the Lightning. I think everybody knew going into this season that the Lightning, they've been to a few Stanley Cups recently, have they not? They've won a few Stanley Cups recently, have they not? I don't think anybody in their right mind was picking the Habs to be better than the Lightning this year. So it's not surprising. Um, But that being said, it's still made for a very difficult watch. I have no problem with them losing games. I do have a problem with losing games 5-1, 6-1, whatever you want. I would like them to score a little bit more. So that inability to capitalize on those chances is something that they really need to address, right? In this game, I didn't feel like, you know, in previous games, they've been getting a little bit too cute with things, trying to make too many passes, and that was really the problem, is that they just weren't taking what the opposition was giving them. In this game, they kind of did take what the opposition was giving them. They just couldn't score. Part of that was the fact that they're up against one of the best goaltenders in the world in Andre Vasilevsky, and uh, the other part of it was I think they were just gripping their sticks a little too tight, you know? Michael Pizzetta hit the post, I think, twice in that game, at least once. But he had opportunities on the rush where he was coming in and just fired it off, hit the post. That's one where, you know, it it might sound a little bit hypocritical of me, but I would like him to pass because he's not exactly one of the best shooters on the team. I would have preferred in both of those instances that maybe he looked to feed that off to a teammate or execute a drop pass or something. But you know what? I'm not going to begrudge him taking the shot because I've been complaining about them not just taking shots that are available to them. So, you know, it wasn't the worst 5-1 loss that I've ever watched. It definitely wasn't the worst. It wasn't the best. 
I, I don't know if you could ever quantify uh, what is the best 5-1 loss or qualify, not quantify, whatever. doesn't matter. I don't think any 5-1 losses are good. Uh, that one just wasn't the worst that I've ever seen. And I guess that's as good a segue as any to tell you who the silver lining of the night is, and it is Caden Gooley. Um, folks, I don't know if you guys feel the same way as I do, but I forget sometimes. At least once a night, I see him do things, and I completely forget that he's a rookie. This time last year, he was playing in the WHL. He has virtually no experience, and he's doing things on a nightly basis that you see from veteran number one NHL defenseman. Uh, imagine how good he's going to be when he's got some experience under his belt. You know, more than 31 games worth of experience under his belt. How good is he going to be? He's going to be fantastic. I mean, He's already starting to put it together. Like that goal, man, the way he was coming down from the point, weaving through people, and that wasn't the only opportunity he generated on the night either. There's a few other times where he jumped in, did a little bit more um, creativity, I guess, if you will. Um, And he, he was generating chances, generating chances. And the fact that you have a defenseman who is as good in terms of positioning in his own zone, in terms of defending against the rush, uh, and can also contribute offensively, man, once he really puts it together, which is, it's coming along well already, but once he really puts it together, they've got a fantastic player on their hands. Um, he deed up uh, Nikita Kucherov at one point, I think in the second period. <clears throat> I have a clip up on my uh, on my Twitter account if you want to go take a look at it. I'll probably throw the article together and talk about Guli in the article as well, and I'll put it in the article on Eyes in the Prize. But Kucherov got one of those stretch passes I was talking about, right? They earlier on in that same shift, they had a stretch pass that worked out, gave him a breakaway, but it got stopped. And then, so they could do another stretch pass. I forget who it was. I think maybe Headman. I'm, I'm not, it doesn't matter, right? The recipient of the pass is what matters. And it was Kucherov. And he's basically in alone. And Guli is kind of out of position on that one. He wasn't ready for it. But he gets himself back in a position, reaches around Kucherov, and manages to knock the puck off of his stick. So not even a shot on that breakaway. And in that position, against a player as good as Nikita Kucherov, most defensemen are either letting him get his shot off or they're taking a penalty. He did neither of those things. It was fantastic. This kid is lights out good as a rookie in the NHL. I cannot wait to see how he develops. If this team gets to the trade deadline and they decide to try to fire sale the thing, and, uh, and sell off as many bodies as you can. He has entered the untouchable portion of the Montreal Canadiens uh, players right now. You can't trade him. There's no way you can trade him. There's no way. There's no universe where you win a trade where you trade him away. Unless you're getting Kale McCarr. And let's face it, you're not getting Kale McCarr. So stop talking about it. It is going to be fantastic to see what this guy can do when he's fully, fully immersed in the NHL. Um, I can't wait. Who else played well? Who else can I talk about other than Gooley? Uh, Suzuki played pretty well. Caulfield played pretty well. Um, I felt Arbor Jack I had a pretty good game. He had a fight as well. He beat up uh, Pat Maroon, um, which was cool to see. Um, didn't really help them. <laughs> you know, you kind of hope most nights that a, a fight's going to spark you a little bit, but wasn't a whole lot that any fight was going to do to get them going in that game. And I also felt that uh, Jonathan Drouin played pretty good. He had one bad giveaway that I really didn't like, but pretty good. Yoel Armia actually played pretty good. Not the worst, not the best either. Um, And the reason I wanted to at least say a few names that I liked is because even two of those names that I mentioned, 
right? Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki. Who's surprised that they look good? Nobody's surprised. But people were surprised again to learn that once more, they were going back to that old well of putting Josh Anderson on the other wing of that line. We know it doesn't work. I've written articles about it. I'm not the only one who's written articles. You can go on many different outlets that cover the Montreal Canadiens and you'll see people complaining about the fact that they keep putting that line together for whatever fucking reason. And they did it again. And guess what? It wasn't working. Yeah, Suzuki scored a goal. Okay, no problem. That was set up by a great play by Caden Gooley. Outside of that, they were not good. Not good. Again, Caulfield and Suzuki looked good. They don't work with Anderson, though. They look good in short bursts. They have excellent athletic ability. Right? Caulfield and Suzuki, we know what they can do. Anderson, we know what he can do. He's a little bit one-dimensional. He does not work on that line. They have to stop doing it. Come up with something else, man. I really think the only other option, if you if you really don't want to do Doc, if you want to have Doc somewhere else in the lineup, because Doc did very well, by the way. Doc played a great game. I don't think I even mentioned him when I was talking about you know decent performances earlier. He played great, so he works. You can play him at center somewhere else, but you cannot be playing him at center elsewhere in the lineup on the second or third line if Anderson is the guy on your top line because you're neutering your offense. You're neutering it. You're taking away the best line that you have in favor of ostensibly trying to improve the team elsewhere. And it does. It Doc improves the team elsewhere, but you've neutered the top line. So, you know, it's a catch-22 situation. Catch-23 situation. Anybody who knows where that reference is from, extra points for you. Um, I don't know. They have to stop doing it. I think if it's not going to be Doc on that line, the only other name that I want to see is Uri Slavkovsky. That's it. And if you don't think Slavkovsky's ready, then cool. Then you got to keep Doc on that line. Stop moving him around. It's not about winning games. You you, you also you also don't want to establish a, a string of games where you look bad and lose. Right? It's fine to lose, but let's at least you know try to keep the offense flowing. If this game, if they lost that game five three five four, we don't really have anything to talk about here. Right, it's cool. They scored four goals and they lost. That's good for the tank and it's good for the team too. They're getting some, they're getting some opportunities to see what it is they can do at the offensive end of the ice. You know, losing five one, it's gonna take the wind. Hardy talked about taking the wind out of their sails. I mean, it's gonna take the wind out of everybody's sails, maybe for a while. It might take their will to show up at the rink every day and go to practice out of them. I mean, it's it's tough. It's tough. Tough game to watch. Definitely a tough game to play. Uh, I'm sure this is one that they're going to have some conversations about at practice, but they don't, unfortunately, have the luxury of several days worth of practice in order to get prepared. They've got to go to Arizona. They got to play uh, Monday night at a fucking junior rink that fits 4,000 people or whatever in Arizona in front of a bunch of people who probably never came out to a hockey game. Uh, what is it? Twenty dollars student night every night or something like that in Arizona. That's how they sell tickets. Joke of a franchise. Um, I really want them to win that game just because I don't want Arizona to have anything nice. But at the same time, I want them to lose that game because I don't want Arizona to get Connor Bedard. I would rather be closer to Connor Bedard than them. Um, So again, where are we? We're in a catch-23 fucking situation, folks. I want to win on Monday night, but I also want to lose. So I don't know. Maybe we'll leave it at that. Um, I don't really have much else to say about that Lightning game, man. I mean... I think everybody knew going into that game. I think we, I think it was discussed 
at great length over Twitter the last couple of days after the back-to-back and the way that went. I think everybody knew that was going to be a loss. It was more a question of how bad. Um, And it wasn't that bad, uh, but it was pretty bad. So we'll cut it off there. We're running what? About 16 minutes. So c'est une grosse soirée pour les employés de soutien. We're on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, Megaphone. I'm on Twitter, at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I'd appreciate it very much. Thank you, as always, for listening. And of course, à la prochaine. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.